Thank you for listening today to our podcast here at Word of Life. We're delighted that you tuned in. And I pray that while you hear us talk, you hear the Holy Spirit speak. I know God's got a big plan for you. We're excited to be a part of that plan. Hopefully we will see you sometime soon, maybe even this weekend. Until then, we pray you have a wonderful, wonderful week. Hey, church, how many of you are thankful for Jesus today and all that he's done for us? Uh, Well, we're so excited to have you here at church today. And I know everyone here at Lakeland wants to give it up for everyone across town at Highland Colony. Can we give it up for Highland Colony Campus? We love you guys. We're so thankful for you. Uh, And I know both of our physical locations. We want to give it up for everyone who's watching around the world online. Can we give it up for our our online audience? Uh, We're so thankful to have you guys here with us. And I just, I I was so encouraged in worship. The Lord really dealt with my heart that uh, God has, has sent people who are here at our campuses right now, who are watching online uh, as well, and he's in the process of doing this, of sending people uh, who feel called here, uh, that you genuinely feel called here, and you're not plugged in yet, uh, but you genuinely feel called here, and God has sent you here to help us, and we will take all the help we can get, Uh, because, you know, sometimes um, in pastoring, you get people who need help. Uh, Any of you have family who need help, Uh, and then you have some family who can help, Uh, and it's a blessing, Uh, and so out of this as a church, there's never a shortage of people who need help, and missionaries who need help, and, uh, you know, volunteer ministry that need help, you know, we need help. Uh, But I really feel like God has strategically sent, uh, and I use that word on purpose, sent you here to this place uh, to be a help. And I wanna encourage you, get connected. Uh, Come a little early, stay a little late, get involved, go to our next class, which is where we kind of talk about, I'm new here at the church, what do I do next? Uh, Next is what you do next. Uh, And we would love to have you a part of these things because I really do feel like God has brought you into this church for such a time as this. And so in advance, I just want to say thank you. Thank you for helping us. And I think that there's some people even coming back to church who immediately when they come back in will just be uh, an acceleration of help. And I just want to say thank you for that. Uh, Let's open up our Bibles, if you brought them here today, to the book of 2 Corinthians. We're going to look at 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and verse number 9 at a a very, very interesting scripture and, and one that I pray brings you a lot of faith and hope and comfort. And uh, we're going to look at this today together. 2 Corinthians chapter 8 uh, and verse number 9. Now, we've been talking about our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and how he still has his wounds. And we said the reason why he still has these wounds is these scars speak. The crown of thorns tells us that our minds do not have to be racked with fear and depression and heaviness. Uh, I don't have to be oppressed mentally uh, that because of what Jesus did for me, I can be free in that area of my life. Uh, Then we looked at the spear and how it thrust his side and pierced his heart. And we said that in life, we know there are things that pierce our hearts. Um, There's griefs. Um, that we go through where we mourn the loss of something. And it's not just maybe sometimes the loss of a person who like died. Sometimes it's a season of life that's over. Uh, The kids grow up and and move out of the house and there's grief that enters into our hearts. Or um, a friendship uh, ended and a season of life ended. And how many of you know those things happen? 
Uh, if you try to treat everybody and everything like it's eternal, you'll break your own heart. Because there are a few things in life that are eternal. Uh, most things in this life are seasonal. Uh, and so out of that, when, when I treat something um, seasonal like it's eternal, I'll break my own heart. Uh, but still, it hurts. And those griefs enter, enter into our heart where Scripture tells us that Jesus bore our griefs and he carried our sorrows. How many of you are thankful that Jesus can bind up the wounds of a brokenhearted and help you let go of the past so that you can reach towards your future? Paul said, this one thing I do, I forget what is behind me, and I reach towards what, what is out in front of me. Well, you can't do that with an unhealthy heart. Uh, it's gotta be bound up. A working heart's a dreaming heart. Uh, it's a reaching heart. Uh, a working heart is not one that's mourning the past. That's Lot's wife. A working heart is one that's dreaming of a new future. Oh, come on, somebody. How many of you know God can heal your heart so much that you're not thinking about the past any longer? You're dreaming of a new future. Uh, you're dreaming of what could be and what you could do and excited about it. Uh, when's the last time you allowed your soul to come alive over something? Uh, well, a healthy heart does that, and the Lord Jesus can help you overcome that grief. And I talked about that, that I've been there myself. I, I, I have had period of time in my life where grief entered in from the death of my father, and uh, the, the grief entered in of you know over 50% of the church leaving at a time when I first started pastoring, um, and grief entered in my heart where you just want to keep things the way they were and go back to the way things were. No, you can't do that. Uh, you do that, you'll, you'll, you'll kill something in your own soul. God designed your heart to be a dreaming heart. Um, you gotta focus on growth, not survival. You gotta be a well tracer and not a museum keeper. Oh, come on, somebody. You've gotta reach. Uh, but the only way to do that is to have a healthy heart. And the Lord Jesus, with his great mercy, healed my heart. Uh, and the same Lord that did that for me is the same Lord that can do that for you. Then last week, we talked about the stripes on his back, that by his stripes, you are healed. Now, it's amazing, all of these things are for you. Um, so his shame, he was made shameful and carried the weight of that so that he could bear your shame uh, for your griefs and sorrows, for your sicknesses and diseases. He did this for you. Why? Jesus loves you. He's in love with you. Uh, he'd do it for you. Uh, my wife's here. I, I love my wife. There are so many things I do for no other reason than love. I don't do them because even I want anything from her. I just want her to see she loves me. This is how much God loves you. I said, this is how much God loves you. If you ever doubt his love, consider his scars. Oh, come on, church. If you ever doubt his love, consider his scars. Because these scars speak and they say, I love you. Uh, this week, we're gonna look at the holes in his hands, that his hands were pierced so that your hands could be blessed. Uh, and I am, I'm excited about this. I think we're gonna at attack this in a very biblical, very sound way, a way that you shouldn't have fear or concerns over. Uh, we're gonna look at this, and I'm really excited about it. Let's look at it together in the book of 2 Corinthians chapter eight, in verse number nine. For you know the grace, the unmerited favor, grace just simply means I didn't deserve it. You ever felt shame over something you didn't deserve uh, that's what grace is. There's almost a measure of grace that when you receive it, you almost feel like shame over it. Like, I've been too bad for you to be this good. 
but this is where you have to major on the grace of God. Uh, for we know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. And I would just stop there and say, do you? Do you know how much he loves you? Do you know what he has done for you? For we know, he said, of the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that you through his poverty might be made rich. Now, I know that you know religion uh, a lot of times would come back uh, and say, well, that's talking about spiritual poverty and spiritual blessing. And I do thank God uh, that Jesus became spiritually poor so that we could be spiritually blessed, that he was my substitutionary work in hell and out of that. There is a measure of truth to that. But to say that about this verse would be taking literally two chapters of the Bible out of context. I want to encourage you, uh, study for your own selves to see whether or not the things I lead you in are, are, in, are truth always. But in this area, I would love for you when you go home to honestly this week read 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and 2 Corinthians chapter 9, and then you decide in your own heart what he's talking about here. There is no one who can read that honestly, intelligently, and with the help of the Holy Spirit and not see that he is talking about money. Um, now, I'll be the first one that says, um, well, you know, before I, I get that, let's just pull up another translation just so you can see what I'm saying is truth. 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and verse 9, this is the Amplified. The Amplified is a very safe translation. Not every version of the Bible is safe. Uh, some of these translations are designed to make money. Uh, and literally, people thought, how could we make the words more elaborate and more romantic uh, so that more people would buy them? Uh, and like advertised is like that. And it can be very dangerous because it's not a translation anymore. It's an interpretation. Uh, and an interpretation, you could elaborate on what I said, but I didn't actually say that. Translation is word for word. And so one of the best um, uh, in scripture is the Amplified, because what the Amplified literally did was, was take the actual Hebrew and Greek and amplify it. So each one of the words in the King James has a Greek and Hebrew word behind it. What the Amplified Bible did was find those words and then build it out. It's a safe translation. Uh, so out of this, 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and verse 9 in the Amplified says this, for you are recognizing, and I pray you are, you are recognizing more clearly the grace, the unmerited kindness and goodness of our Lord Jesus Christ, his astonishing kindness, his generosity, his gracious favor, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that by his poverty you might uh, become abundantly blessed. This is God's heart for you, is that you are abundantly blessed. Notice, he became poor that you might become abundantly blessed. This is God's heart for you. He loves you so much that even in that arena of your life, he has affectionately and desired to take care of you. Now, I'm so thankful for this because there has been a time in my life where I have been under severe financial stress. Uh, when our ch church shrank by 50% when I first took over, uh, you talk about financial pressure, and it was the weight of finances. I'd wake up in the morning thinking about it, I'd go to sleep thinking about it. Not enough, not enough, not enough. What are we going to do? How are we going to pay the bills? How am I going to keep all these people employed? How will I restart my life? I've been under financial pressure, and I'm telling you, there is no blessing to it whatsoever. 
Uh, and some of you are there right now. Uh, the financial pressure of this past season, it has been heavy on you. And it's been as heavy on you as any of these other things. It's been as heavy as depression has been for some people. It's been as heavy as grief has been for some people. It's been as heavy as sickness and disease has been for some people. Financial pressure has been heavy on you. Of how are we going to pay for this? And why did we get ourselves in this much mess? And, you know, all of these types of things. And Jesus is like, hey, hey, over here. Um, out of my abundant grace for you, I became poor for you so that me, through my poverty, you might become abundantly blessed. Uh, and I want to encourage you in this, uh, church, that God in his gracious kindness has come and availed this to you. Now, I will be the first one to say, and it, it honestly breaks my heart. And it's why we don't pass buckets or any of these other types of things. Because I understand that there's a large part of Christianity and, and many pastors and leaders who I think meant well, but turned this subject into the be-all, end-all. That in our American culture, we focus so much on upward mobility. And we believe, like, if I just got the next thing, I'd be happier, and the next thing, I'd be happier, and the next thing, I'd be happier. And it's wrong. And any of us who are parents, we know we do not want our children selfish, uh, how many of you have kids? Anybody have kids? If you, if you don't have kids, you were a kid once. Uh, and so think about for your parents, if you don't have kids. But for those of us who have kids, we know that as they age, the last thing we want them to be is selfish. Constantly thinking about themselves, getting the next pair of shoes and not caring that their neighbor has no pair. Like, we don't want that for them. We, we don't want them to be just constantly trying to hit the next mark so that they can just take the next vacation. We don't want that for them. Uh, and God's the same way. The love of money, if I saw my children entering over into the love of money where all they could think about was money and all they wanted was more money and the pride of life and the, the glory of the world and riches and that's all their heart went after and that's all they worshiped God for was money and treated God like a genie or a slot machine, uh, I would correct them because they were in need of correction. Uh, but for my children... I also know where I don't want that for them, I most certainly do not want the, the bane of poverty. I've seen poverty, like real poverty. Uh, I've been in, in most of the developing nations of the world. I, I'm like, God, could we please take a mission trip to like Paris? Uh, but like for, for me, most of my life with missions have been India and Zimbabwe and Zambia and Kenya and Mozambique and, you know, all of these other types of nations and um, China and, you know, a, a lot of remote type areas and Nepal and going in all these different nations. And I have seen poverty. Like I, I have seen refugee camps. And there is no blessing there whatsoever. Uh, poverty has a darkness to it. It's the truth. It's a curse. You go back to the Old Testament, it's a curse. It's heavy. It's oppressive in nature. And I know for my kids, just like I don't want them to be selfish and a lover of money and only thinking about themselves, like I would correct them if they got to that place. At the same time, I want them free. I want my kids' needs met. I want my kids, to, how many of you ever bought your child a, a, a gift for Christmas? Anybody ever bought your child a gift for Christmas? Uh, did it bless your heart to be able to do that for your child? Oh, come on, church. Did it bless your heart to do that for your child? Yes, because uh, I want my children's needs met. I want my children's desires fulfilled. 
and I also want them to be a possessor of nothing. One of my favorite things was, was, was someone gave my, my child a, a nice pair of shoes and he gave them away to someone else. I'm like, you got it. Nothing wrong with having it so long as it doesn't have you. Come on, somebody. How many of you know this is the heart of God? Um, and so God doesn't mind you doing well, and you need to know that. God doesn't mind you doing well. I want my children to do well. I'm not a better father than God. God wants his children to do well. You want your children to do well. God wants us all to do well. As long as we have a heart that also wants to do good. Uh, so yes, want to do well, but do well so you can do more good. How many of you want our church to do well so that our church can do more good? Our businesses to do well so that our businesses can do more good. Our children to do well so that our children can do more good. That we become the hands and feet of Jesus. That we become the guy who, who's the Samaritan who sees someone half dead and we pick him up and we have enough resources that we can come to an innkeeper and say, look, take care of him and whatever you need, I got enough resources to be able to pay for this. Uh, how many of you know, that's where God wants us, is blessed to be a blessing. Moses is on the hill sending strength to Joshua's who were in the field. This is God's heart for us. And he says, I want it so much for you that I became poor so that that might happen. I want it so much for you that I did that for you. Now, how many of you know, if I came to you this morning and said, look, uh, I love you so much, I love you, if I came to you today and said, I love you so much, I sold my house, I sold my car, I sold all valuables, I sold all my clothes, I became poor, and I'm giving it all to you. And I just give it to you. I think two emotions would be generated in you. Number one, shame, and number two, gratitude. Shame of like, no, 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 no. Because nothing, nothing will reveal a prodigal spirit like unmerited favor. No, 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 let me work for it. I'll pay you back. I'll pay you back, I'll pay you back, I'll pay you back. Let me work for it. And we do that with God. We constantly take what should be given by grace and turn it back into works. And we live like a prodigal. And God is saying, no, 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 no. I became poor because I love you so that you might be abundantly blessed. Don't take that shame, receive grace. Receive this grace. Number two, this should not make anyone shameful. This should make everyone liberated to be thankful for Jesus. Uh, because Jesus has come and moved in our lives in every arena of our life and whom the Son has set free is free indeed and God has equipped us and enabled us to be the head and not the tail, above and not beneath, blessed us in our coming in and blessed us in our going out. Why? That he may establish his covenant upon the earth. And I wanna encourage you in your own life uh, that you receive this grace don't feel shame like you're in religion. You constantly have to earn it or deserve it. Just receive this grace with faith and say, Lord, I believe I receive the favor of God on my life. Uh, but not only that, let it lead you into a greater devotion to Jesus and let it take you into a place where it expands the liberality of your giving because you know you are not your source, your heavenly Father is. And this is what 2 Corinthians 8 and 9 is teaching. So he moves over from 2 Corinthians chapter 8 over into 2 Corinthians chapter 9 because the question is, well, if God became poor so that I might become abundantly blessed, how in the world is he going to get it to me? And watch what he says here in 2 Corinthians chapter 9 uh, in verse number 8. 
Uh, well, and they don't have this on the screens. I'm sorry, I'm gonna mess you up. But just for fun, let's read six through eight. Uh, but this I say, he which sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. He which sows bountifully shall also reap bountifully. I'm reading this in context so you can see it's talking about money. Every man, according as he has purposed in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. Now watch verse eight. And God is able to make all grace abound towards you. Now, I, I, I like under you, wrote Joel. <laughs> God is able to make all grace abound towards Joel, me. The Bible should be personal. It's God speaking to me. God is able to make grace abound towards me. So there could be, he's able, that doesn't mean there is, but he's able, there could be, grace abounding towards me. And watch what this grace will do. That you always, having all sufficiency in all things, may abound unto every good work. As it is written, he has dispersed abroad, he has given to the poor, his righteousness endures forever. God says here, okay, here's how this is going to work. I became poor that you might become rich. Okay, wonderful. How am I going to be abundantly blessed? He said, I'll tell you how. One, you decide to do good and not just well. Want to do good and not just well. And he says, once we've gotten that straight, that you become a liberal giver, uh, that you become someone who is, is, is excited, their heart is in their giving, you're not giving out of manipulation, you're not giving you know, you know, out of a, uh, like God's a slot machine and you're trying to like, give me more. Uh, it's like this is a grace that's abounding towards you, but once your heart is in your giving and you care about doing good and you're loving your neighbor and you've become a good Samaritan, he says here's what God is able to do. God is able to make all grace abound towards you. Well, wonderful, what's this grace going to do? It's gonna make you all sufficient where all of your needs are met and you're able to give unto every good work. Oh, come on, somebody. He says, this is what God is able to do for you. Abounding in grace. Now, throughout scripture, the term grace and favor are interchangeable. So where you see the word favor, you could put in the word grace. What it just simply means is receiving something you don't deserve. Uh, that it's, it's, it's it, God just moving in your life. The, the favor of God, the grace of God is this. I'll put it up on the screen. It's God doing for you what you never could do for yourself. It's God doing for you what you never could do for yourself. It is him positioning people, resources, and things to accelerate, uh, to absolutely accelerate uh, your purpose uh, and establish his kingdom. It is God being gracious to you, doing for you what you could never do for yourself. This building and, and how we've been able to operate in it, it's the favor of God. Our Highland Colony facility, how it was just added to us and then paid off and completely remodeled, the favor of God. We've got some things coming up as a church I'll be able to tell you about when the, all the, the, the I's are dotted and the T's are crossed. It's the favor of God. What God has been able to do for this church in COVID, it's been nothing but the favor of God. I look back at it and honestly just cry, just tears of thankfulness. And I oftentimes wrestle with shame and gratitude of like, God, you've been too good. It's the favor of God. And God says, I am able to abound this towards you. God is able to make this grace abound towards you. 
Now here's something interesting. In Luke chapter two and verse 52, it says this about the Lord Jesus. Uh, and I love this passage of scripture. I pray it over my children. And Jesus increased, it's talking about Jesus as a young man. He increased in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man. So notice, uh, how many of you know you can increase in wisdom? Uh, through life experience, you get some wisdom. You can listen to a podcast and get some wisdom. It's like, I'll never invest in that again. You got some wisdom. It gave you an education. Why? You can increase in wisdom. Uh, we send our children to school to increase in wisdom. Uh, and we know if you do A, B, and C, if you listen in class, if you take notes, if you do A, B, and C, you can increase in wisdom. Uh, you can also increase in stature. Uh, how many of you know our children get bigger? Uh, I have on their doorpost, uh, you know, ever since they were two years old, my children's height just marked in the door. Uh, all the way to, to my daughter, she'll be 15, and I will demand she, she let me take her height. Uh, so, <laughs> so, I know, it's awkward. But anyway, I'm like, you will do this, and we will see how much you have grown. Uh, so out of this, our children grow in stature. And my son, he's trying to beef up for football, so we've got him on weight gainer. This one shake, just the powder alone has 1,250 calories. I'm like, never in my life did I ever think someone from my DNA pool would have to take weight gainer, but trying to increase in stature. Uh, so we know in size we grow, and we know in wisdom we can grow, but notice he can also, he also grew, and so can you, in favor with God and with man. You can grow in favor with God and man. God being able to make grace abound towards you. You can grow in that. It can increase. There are some things you can do on purpose that put you in position to walk in the favor of God. Uh, a number of years ago, and I actually thought about just playing you the message, but I thought, ah, I'll teach it. I feel like it'd be lazy if I just hit play. Uh, so out of that, uh, but I have um, a pastor that I came in contact years ago with who uh, has a work, I say pastor, he's really a minister, um, so he's not like tied to one local church body, but he's based out of Israel, and this guy, like he has met with politicians, presidents, prime ministers, like done so much, uh, seen huge things, God do huge things through his hands. And I'm telling you, this is what all this is about, is I don't want God to place huge things in my hands. I want God to do huge things through my hands. Uh, how many of you know, the pipe that has water flowing through it is always wet? Say <laughs> la. Uh, but, but out of this, uh, I want God to do big things through my hands. Like I am his hands and feet in the earth. I want to help, uh, uh, you know, people who are hurting. And I want to fund world missions. And I want to do things for his kingdom. And there are things I want to do in Jackson that are huge. Uh, things that only God would be able to do. But through the favor of God, I believe he'll be able to do it. Um, but one of the things that he talks about is this verse, how you can grow in this. There can be at times more or less grace that is abounding towards you. And he lists four things, and I just want to give them to you this morning. I'll let you go. Four things that you can do that put you in position to receive more of the favor of God. It positions you to receive more of this grace that is abounding towards you. And the first one is, number one, great dependency. Great dependency. 
Um, I'll just tell you this story, and you know, for each one of these, I'm running out of time. So, but I want to finish this message today because we'll start a new series next week. Uh, great dependency. I'll, I'll tell you this story and move on to point two. Uh, I, I take phone calls regularly for missionaries because um, that's my heart and the heartbeat of this church is to fund them and to help them. And sometimes we help them with money, but sometimes we help them with guidance and wisdom, pastoral counsel, that type of thing. And there's this, this one guy, uh, him and his wife have an orphanage and uh, a work there in India, uh, right by Nepal. And he's from our church. And so out of that, he's got my heart in that way too because I want this church to be a sending church. Uh, I want the people to find their calling here and be empowered to go into ministry and missions and all of those things. And I think at the back half of my life, that's exactly what I'll do. I'll just spend my time empowering pastors and leaders and all of those types of things, helping them go do what God's called them to do. But anyway, uh, about once a month, I'll, I'll take a phone call with them. So yesterday morning, I was on the phone uh, and, you know, time change from here to India is significant. But anyway, we're talking. Uh, and um, as we're talking, he was telling me about some of the needs that came up in an orphanage. Like you can imagine in your family, your family of two, three, four, whatever, needs come up that sometimes equal more pressure. Uh, I don't know if you felt that, more pressure here lately. Uh, and so pressure comes up. And so I asked him, I'm like, well, what do you do with that? Because he's got a family, but then he's also got like 20 kids. So imagine your pressure and then throw 20 kids in the mix. You got to educate them. You got to feed them. You got to clothe them. Come on, somebody. So I'm like, what do you do with that pressure? He's like, well, Pastor Joe, I'll tell you. Anytime a need comes up, he says, Anya, that's his wife. He said, Anya goes into the, the room, shuts the door. And I can hear her, literally hear her, hit her knees and cry out to God. And he said, I kid you not, every single time, every single time, the next day, we got an answer. Bill was paid, money came in, miracles happened. Great dependency. Weakness is an opportunity for God to show you his strength. His strength is made perfect in your dependency. And sometimes we get so strong that we develop these, these mentalities that's like, if it's to be, it's up to me, I'll try harder, I'll be better, I'll be more disciplined, I'll, I'll get my act together, you know, all of these types of things. And God's like, how has that been working for you? It seems like that's been the running theme. Like every January, I hear the same things. Uh, and God is like, why not have some grace abound towards you through dependency? Uh, Solomon coming to the Lord and offering this great sacrifice. And the Lord says, ask anything that you want. He's like, you know what I want? You. Uh, Uzziah, 2 Chronicles uh, chapter 26 and verse number 5. As long as he sought the Lord, God made him prosper. As long as he's dependent upon the Lord, God's helping him. But then the Bible says, and this is where I have to watch this in my life, that when he became strong, his heart was lifted up unto pride. And he would not slow down. Oh, come on, somebody. Living so fast that the knee never bends. God, help with this. When's the last time you closed the door in your bedroom, hit your knees, and cried out to God? It really convicted me. Because sometimes we can get so strong, you're used to operating on your strength 
that you forget that in the kingdom of God, you don't get things based off of your strengths, you get things based off of your weakness and relying on his strength. How you walk in more of the favor of God, get more dependent, cry out to God more, worship the Lord more, hit your knees more. Oh, come on somebody. Point number two, great obedience. Great obedience, you need great dependency, then you need great obedience. Um, you see this in the, the book of John. Um, Jesus is uh, turning water into wine. Jesus' first miracle. You know the story. Um, and Jesus' mother comes to the servants and says this in John 2 and verse 5. And his mother said unto him, verse 5, we go back up. Uh, and his mother said unto the servants, whatever he says unto you, do it. Now that's the beginning of all miracles. Whatever, this is Jesus' first miracle. This is how his miracle started with this sentence. Whatever he tells you to do, do it. And watch what happens here in verse number six. And there were set six water pots of stone after the same manner of purifying of the Jews containing two or three firkins apiece. Have no idea what that means. Verse seven, it's a lot of water. Uh, and Jesus said unto them, fill the water pots with water and notice what happens. And they filled them how? To the brim, to the maximum obedience. Now here's my point. Uh, how many of you know these men were imperfect? How do we know they were imperfect? Because they're just like us. Now, at any moment in time in your life, God could deal with you about 100 things you need to fix. Am I right? Uh, from a smug look sometimes to judgmental actions towards others, judgmental thoughts, uh, you know, falling over into fear, all these types of things. Every one of us in our Christian walk will have logos words. That just is the Greek word for written, something you can read, something you can write, logos. But at times in life, logos turns into rhema. And what rhema means is the spoken word. And in their, their life, if they would have stood before empty water pots and came to God and been like, where is the wine? I'm tithing. Where is the wine? I have forgiven where is the wine? I have been kind and loving. Where is the wine? And Jesus would say unto them, what did I tell you to do? Like, I'm thankful you did all that. But in this season, the thing I need for you is for you to fill up the water pots to the brim with water. And when you do that, that's when you're going to see a miracle. And I'm telling you, in every season of your life, there is a rhema word. And there is always a bunch of stuff you can do but there is one thing that's being left undone that when it is done equals a miracle. And if you don't know what that word is right now, seek the Lord, go back to step number one and depend on him and let the Holy Spirit shine the light of God's word in that area and say, this is what I want you to focus on. I want you to focus on your wife. I want you to focus on forgiving. I want you to focus on tithing. Abraham, I want you to offer your son. And when you offer your son, that's when you'll see a miracle. Great obedience. Who has favor? Who's in position to receive favor? Those who are greatly obedient. Point number three, point number three great generosity. We see that in 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Giving with a generous heart, a liberal heart, a heart that's in its giving. Generosity opens up the hand of God. It's amazing how generosity just moves God when you want to. It doesn't work if you don't want to do it. But when you want to, it unlocks something in God. It, it equals great favor. I went and preached uh, um, in Las Vegas a couple of weeks ago. And when I was flying in, the Lord told me two things. I was preaching three Sunday morning services and one Sunday night. 
the three Sunday morning services all came out different. And one, I taught something different in each one. But on the, the Sunday night, the Lord told me, I want you to teach about pain. So that's the first thing I want you to do. I want you to talk to people who are in pain. And he said, secondly, I want you to give that church $50,000. Now, I brought many guest ministers in, and I've never had one give me more money than I left with, uh, than they left with. Uh, that's never happened. Uh, and I'm like, give them $50,000? He said, yes, do it. Now, our church um, is stewarded in, in such a way, and I don't want to ever um, um, cast a light on a man or a person or an organization. But I do want to say from a place of stewardship, I don't know how it could be run better. Uh, we audit it. We have other business people, ministers, missionaries look at it, examine it, see how we do it, that type of thing. Um, but out of that, one of the things that we do is we have money set aside for giving so that when the Lord tells us to give, we do it and we have it set aside. So we had the money set aside and I just, you know, slacked the financial department like I need a $50,000 check cut to this church and uh, that kind of thing, and, and we were getting ready to send it out. Well, I didn't know what had happened before. I get to his church, and he's teaching, you know, taking up the, the offering at the end of my, my first message, and he said, in August, this was in September, he said, in August, he said, I felt led like our church is about to hit another level, like God's just about to do something that only he can do. And he said, we tithe, and that's amazing because most churches don't. That's the truth. Most people don't, most churches don't, most businesses don't, most people don't. They don't believe God. Um, but I'm telling you, it works. Somebody says, how do you know? You see it. Uh, and so out of it, that's the truth. So out of it, I was so blessed when he said that because most don't. He said, now we tithe, but he said in August, we really felt like that the Lord to position us for only something he could do. What is favor? It's God doing for you what you could never do for yourself. For God to do what he wanted to do, that we were to give over and above our tithe $50,000. He said, we have never done anything. Now, he doesn't know. He said, we have never done anything like that. And he's telling his church this at the end of the first service. Uh, and he said, we, we gave it away, $50,000. Just gave it away. And he said, after in September, we're looking at this and we're like, what did we do? He said, me and the CFO met. And we're like, what did we do? Uh, and like, you know, all these types of things, like we extended ourselves so much, but it was done with, with point number two, great obedience. Um, and so they, they released that and I'm just smiling the whole time. I get back in the, the office and I show my notes. And I'm like, two things that will be accomplished here. Uh, on the Sunday night, I'll teach on pain. And I'm to give this church $50,000. He just sat there. God is able to make all grace abound towards you so that you're always, at all times, all sufficient. See, he didn't know that, that there was a ram and a jam. How many of you know every time you're carrying Isaac up a hill, there's always a ram in a jam? Uh, right there. How do you unlock the favor of God? Great generosity, great obedience, great, great uh, dependency. And number four, the last one, great forgiveness. Now, this is the hardest one for people to give often because it's, it's, it's dealing with pain. But you surrender to God your greatest pain, God will give to you his greatest power. That's the truth. The final act of Jesus before his promotion was forgiveness. Lord, forgive them. They know not what they do. 
The final act of Joseph before his, his final promotion, Goshen, was forgiveness. Brothers who had betrayed him. Joseph's whole story was forgiveness. Forgiving that woman for lying on him. Forgiving a butler for forgetting him. Forgiving his brothers for betraying him. No air of bitterness in that man. Is it any wonder God was able to do for Joseph? You talk about the favor of God. How do you get in prison and wind up running the thing? That's the truth. That's the, how do you, how do you, you're a prisoner and they're under you. God doing for you what you could never do for yourself. How do you get there? It was an inward work. See, God's not a respecter of persons. He loves everybody the same, but God is a respecter of other things. He's a respecter of forgiveness. And you want to unlock heaven, you forgive somebody. That's the truth. David, Absalom betraying him. Saul throwing spears at him. He's weeping. Weeping at their destruction. Forgive her. Perfect? Nope. Committed adultery. Murder, David did. Still a man after God's own heart. Why? Forgiveness. Who do you need to forgive today? What do you need to let go of? In the crushing, in the breaking, that's where the new wine is. You want the wine, you don't want to crush the grape. You want the oil, you're holding the olive. You got to break it. You got to give God your pain. Lord, I forgive him. Lord, I forgive him. How do you know you're forgiven? You can think about it and it doesn't hurt. <laughs> that's how you know. How do you know you forgave him? How do you know you forgave yourself? How do you know? You can think about it and it doesn't hurt. Well, Pastor Joel, I could never get to that place. You can through Jesus. His unmerited grace. Once again, when you receive unmerited grace, two emotions will arise in you, gratitude and shame. I don't deserve it. That's too easy. And God is like, but you know, this is how much I love you. Let's end this service with forgiveness. Amen. Let's forgive ourselves. Let's forgive everybody else. Let's forgive all our enemies. All those who should be here and aren't. All those who, who forsook you. All those who left you. Let's forgive them. And out of that pain, through great pain, comes great power. Amen. Let's bow our heads today. We'll pray. At this time over at Highland Colony, I'll throw it up to Pastor Ryan. I'll let him close out the service with prayer. Uh, online and here at Lakeland, why don't you just stay here with me? Let's bow our heads today. Even if you're watching, wherever you're from, bow your head with us if you want to. And just say this with me. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you my sins, my mistakes, my faults, my failures. Lord Jesus, you've forgiven me, every one of them. And I know up to this point, when I think back over some of those mistakes, there's been shame, regret, and pain. Lord Jesus, that ends today. That ends now that is broken now in Jesus name no more shame 
No more guilt, no more bondage. Whom the Son sets free is free indeed. I'm free from my mistakes. No chains on me, I am free. No chains on me, I am free. There's no chains on me, I am free. I am free, I am free, I am free. Now say this with me, say now Father, I turn my attention to all those who may have wounded me, hurt me, disappointed me, forsook me. I turn my attention onto those people and I say right now, by the blood of Jesus, and the grace of our Lord, I forgive you just like I feel like I didn't deserve God's forgiveness. I may feel like you don't deserve mine, but I forgive you anyway. By the blood of Jesus, I forgive you anyway. No longer will the pain of what you did to my heart and to my life have any chains on me I forgive you may the Lord bless you may the Lord keep you may the Lord shine his face brightly upon you I forgive you I'm free from the hurt you've caused I'm free from the wounds you've caused I'm free from the pain you've caused I'm free from the heartache you've caused I am free today I am free today I am free today forgiveness today and I give it as freely as I gave it in Jesus name hallelujah hallelujah come on church let's stand to our feet